Hey, this is Wayne. If you're enjoying Wrestle With Hope, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida and support their mission to come alongside families impacted by disability and provide rest. R-E-S-T, recreation, education, support, and training. You'd simply go to donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. And if you donate $5, that gets you into the Varsity Club. If you donate $10, you get to be a part of the Legion of Doom. Now, $40, you join the Heart Foundation and you support one month of Ability Tree programming for a family. At $80, you join the Dangerous Alliance that supports two months for a family or two families for one month. Now, if you join the $100 club, you are in the NWO. That gift is just too sweet. Sponsor support group for mom or dads with special needs for one session. Now, for $400, you join the Four Horsemen. That means you sponsor one Parents' Night Out respite program for one month. Now, if you want to go rogue and do an other amount, well, then that gets you into the Freebirds, the fabulous Freebirds who do their own thing. Either way, consider supporting Ability Tree Florida, a nonprofit that comes alongside families impacted by disability. Check out donorbox.org slash wrestlewithhope. Follow as the instructs, and I don't pay any mind if you try to interrupt. Yeah. I got more than money could ever buy DBI, million dollar pot, yeah. always there to watch. Y'all yeah. know what I wrestle uh, with. I used to be reckless. Now I'm trying to tell y'all what the message is. Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle With Hope, a wrestling podcast with a Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. My wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. Each episode, we talk about what's happening this week in wrestling currently, we talk about what happened this week in wrestling history, and then we give the go-home signal with a Wrestle With Hope word for the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. So... Without further ado, let's talk about what's happening this week in wrestling. It is an action-packed week, and we have a new recording schedule. So, today we're going to cover from Raw last week to Raw this week, and then uh, as, as much as we can try to stick with it, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be recording on Tuesdays after Raw. That way, we cover everything that happened from Tuesday through Monday, which is kind of like the new wrestling week now. So... Um, I kind of feel like Raw follows up from SmackDown more so than SmackDown had been following up from Raw because I think SmackDown's the, the new A show. Um, that's as, as far as I can see, as far as I can tell. So, Raw, October the 14th. This was part two of the draft, and uh, we started right off with a Raw women's champion, the man, Becky Lynch. She defeated Charlotte Flair to get the pick. So she won. Uh, Flair hit a spear on Lynch, but Lynch... Kicked out at two. Flair was upset, allowing Lynch to roll her up for three. This gave Raw the first pick in the night's draft. From there, Seth Rollins announced that he's going fiend hunting. What in the world could that have meant? I don't think we could have predicted what really happened afterwards. Then Stephanie McMahon announced the first round of the draft picks. Now, Raw's first round of draft picks were... Universal Champion Seth Rollins. Surprise, surprise. He was Raw's first pick. 
WWE champion Brock Lesnar was SmackDown's choice. Raw then chose Charlotte Flair and Andrade. Duh. And SmackDown chose The New Day. And so here's what uh, I think it's interesting if you kind of look at it from a behind-the-scenes perspective. All the couples stayed together. So all of you know Seth Rollins and Becky, they're on, you know, they're on Raw. Charlotte and Andrade, they're on Raw. Zelina and Aleister Black, they're on Raw. So it's kind of funny, uh, you know, and, and you know, so on and so forth. But um, you know, all the couples kind of stayed together. So that was nice. It was nice at WWE not wanting to separate the love. So um, Andrade defeated Ali. Now, next between these couple of weeks, Andrade got a couple of great wins, and so I think that we're finally seeing the rise of El Idolo. So Andrade defeated Ali after interference from Zelina Vega. Andrade won with the Hammerlock DDT. In round two of the draft, Raw drafted the women's tag team champions, the Kabuki Warriors, Kyrie Sane and Asuka. And uh, SmackDown took Daniel Bryan. Raw then chose Rusev, while SmackDown picked SmackDown women's champion Bayley. Raw closed out the round by choosing Aleister Black. Then Raw Tag Team Championship match was uh, the the Raw Tag Team Championship was on the line as Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler defended against the Viking Raider experienced War Machine. Eric pinned Dolph Ziggler after the Viking experience to win the match and the Raw Tag Team Champions. This is a great choice. Viking Raiders would be excellent as tag team champs. Um, Kind of came out of nowhere because they really kind of had a lackluster start, but I'm excited to see that uh, the Viking Raiders are the champs. I think it'll, it's it's a good it's a good setup for them. So, round three of the uh, of the draft saw Raw choosing Cedric Alexander, Umberto Carrillo, and Eric Rowan, and then SmackDown chose Shinsuke Nakamura and Ali. So Ali lost to Andrade and then got booted over to SmackDown. Eric Rowan he was a solo pick. Luke Harper showed up later. To SmackDown in the uh, supplemental draft, but um, you know, honestly, if I was like, because they did the whole War Room thing again, if I was the War Room guys, I'd be like, we we can have them together, pick them, pick them both, they're powerhouses. But you know, we know the real state of things, and so Luke Harper um, sequestered over to SmackDown in the supplemental draft, didn't even do it on TV. Then we had Alistair Black defeating Eric Young by submission with a Dragon Sleeper, and then we had round four. Of the draft picks, we saw Raw selecting Buddy Murphy, Jinder Mahal, and R-Truth. And then SmackDown took Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, and Carmella. So Truth and Carmella separated. What in the world are we going to do? What's going to happen? The comedy will not ensue anymore. Can R-Truth carry the 24-7 division by himself? We'll have to see. The OC beat up the Street Profits backstage over all those clangy poles are. And uh, it was a big brouhaha, which set up their match for this coming week. Ricochet defeated Shelton Benjamin. Ricochet countered a top rope arm drag by landing on his feet and then hit the recoil to win the match. Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, they had a contract signing for their upcoming match at Crown Jewel. Fury said that he would knock Strowman out, causing Braun to break the table. And then Fury furiously broke a pen to end that segment. Um... I, I still don't even know what to think. I'm kind of just Tyson Fury is getting a $15 million deal. If the internet is correct. And we all know that the internet is always correct, but Tyson Fury getting all this for what? I mean, is, is he, I, I, I know that, um, I know that 
We've got Kane Velasquez. He's got an ongoing deal, but do we have one with Tyson Fury? I'm not sure, and uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Thankfully, it's happening in Crown Jewel. I'm not watching, so uh, we'll report the results, but don't know what's going to happen. It's also on Halloween, by the way, so... You know, everybody's tricks are treating. Who's who's watching? I don't know. Who's going to watch Crown Jewel? It's not like it's Halloween Havoc. Now, Halloween Havoc, that's a pay-per-view that we got to bring back. Bring back Halloween Havoc. Dress up all the commentators in fun costumes. Remember Eric Bischoff as Dracula? That was awesome. Let's bring back Halloween Havoc. And I'm just throwing this out there. Spin the wheel and make the deal. Let's, let's spin the wheel and make the deal. I want to see another coal miner's glove match. Coal Miner's Glove on the pole. Let's, that was classic, guys. Come on, that was great. Halloween Havoc. Got my pick to bring it back. Crown Jewel on Halloween night? Eh, eh. Halloween Havoc. Let's do that one. Why are we missing that? I don't understand. Anyway, email me. Is there a reason why we don't do Halloween Havoc? That's the best name in all of pay-per-view besides Great American Bash, besides WrestleMania, besides Royal Rumble. Halloween Havoc. Anyway, how many times have I said that in just one show? And I don't even think we're covering Halloween Havoc in uh, in Days of Future Past. I don't know. But anyway, round five picks. Raw chose Samoa Joe, Akira Tozawa, and Shelton Benjamin. And then SmackDown chose The Miz and King Corbin. I love these picks for SmackDown. First off, The Miz needs to be on SmackDown. The Miz needs to be on any show that the Intercontinental Championship is on. Because in my mind, in the modern era, that white Intercontinental Championship belt needs to be with The Miz. He needs to chase it. He needs to get it. I am in favor of The Miz uh, having the most combined days as champion. I'm in favor of The Miz even possibly breaking Chris Jericho's record for most Intercontinental Championship reigns. Um, I just, I don't know, man. Just, I, I, don't, I, I used to hate The Miz. I mean, honestly... I used to hate the guy. I mean, not like as a person, but as a character. And then one day it just clicked and I went, you know what? The Miz is so good. <laughs> and that's why he's been able to get me to hate him for so long. And it, it may have been the promo that he cut on Talking Smack versus uh, Daniel Bryan. It may have been that, but I got convinced I'm on the Miz train. I want the Miz to win the Intercontinental Championship a couple more times. Let's 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 bust that rain. Let's do that. Maybe WrestleMania, shall we? Let's do it. Let's have a moment. Buddy Murphy defeated Cedric Alexander with Murphy's Law. And then Raw gets Rey Mysterio, Titus O'Neil, Liv Morgan. SmackDown gets Chad Gable. I, I can't, I, can I, do I have to call him Shorty? Do I have to call him Shorty G? I don't know. Which is still his actual name, by the way. Shorty Gable. That's, that's there. And Elias. They get Elias. We have not forgotten about Elias. We can still walk with him. The women's tag team champions, by the way, the Kabuki Warriors defeated Lacey Evans and Natalia. Asuka pinned Evans with a roll-up. And then the show ended with Seth Rollins. Guys, guys, Seth Rollins invaded the Firefly Funhouse. And he literally burned it down. In my head and in my heart, solidifying Seth Rollins' heel turn. Because why would you do that to poor Bray Wyatt? Poor Bray Wyatt looked at him with sincere eyes and said, please stop. And he burned down the Firefly Funhouse. Bad choices, Seth Rollins. 
Rollins and The Fiend, they're going to have a Falls Count Anywhere match at Crown Jewel. And um, I'm with The Fiend on this one. Arson. There's no call for arson in wrestling. No call for that. You want to burn it down? Burn it down somewhere else. Not not in wrestling. So sorry, Seth Rollins. Um, trying to be impartial here, but I can't. You burned down the Firefly Funhouse. Now all we got to do is look at SmackDown, see if maybe, maybe, maybe if it's back. Who knows? I don't know. Arson. Arson could be forever. Now on Tuesday, we had, guys, one of my favorite shows of all time now in wrestling. I love, love, love NWA Power. First off, Into the Fire is one of the greatest theme songs a wrestling show can ever, ever have. Um, Full disclosure, I mean, like, I thought when I first heard Into the Fire, I thought it was a new song done to sound retro and then I went wait that is that Dokken and then yes it was Dokken Dokken Into the Fire what a great anyway great theme song um, so we had a so we had a show the way that NWA Power set up if you weren't listening last week it, it set up like old school NWA studio wrestling okay and so you have a small audience I don't even know how many people are allowed like in there was it like I don't, not even a hundred people, right? And so you have a, a studio audience on one side of the ring. Basically, you have the interview podium. You've got the commentators that are there live. You got a curtain where everybody comes out of. No theme music. I right? Am I right? Nobody's got theme music in this show. And what, I mean, what do you need? You got talking. You got into the fire. Anyway, David Marquez, who is the interview host, okay. He interviews Aaron Stevens, formerly Damian Sandow, who announces his return to wrestling. Now, he, you know, he, he it's kind of funny because um, he needs some work. Like, I, you know, I don't know if Aaron Stevens was ever a fan of this. I think everybody that goes on this show, every wrestler, needs to pop on a YouTube and just start a marathon of NWA studio shows and watch and see how to actually work a crowd. It's not a stand-up act. It's not an improv act. You're not interacting with the crowd. This isn't something where, you know, you got to like talk back to, he was really kind of talk backy and he needs, he needs a little bit of work. If he's going to be doing the in-studio stuff, it's great to see Damian Sandow again, Aaron Stevens. I never caught him on TNA. So, you know, I don't know if I was missing anything, but all I know is uh, I missed I missed your welcome. Like I missed that guy. Right. I missed the, the the intellectual savior of the masses. That's the guy that I miss. But we have now um, like Mr. Actor extraordinaire and don't make eye contact. And, you know, uh, he's just he needs some work. And um, but man, if, if that was the low point of the show, it's it, the rest of this show is, was amazing. Ricky Starks defeats Trevor Murdoch with a crucifix pin. If there was ever a wrestler that was built and designed for NWA power, it's Trevor Murdoch, okay? This guy um in in the in the WWE, he was he was awesome, he was great, but he thrives in this. He lost, but he thrives. Ricky Starks, a great great talent. Colt Cabana comes out. Colt Cabana, boom boom. Colt Cabana, boom boom, right? He comes out and he introduces his mystery partner. His mystery partner is Mr. Who? Anderson. Anderson. 
Okay. Here's the funny thing. I again, I missed Mr. Anderson. I was not a TNA watcher. Okay. So for me, uh, it was great to see him back. Uh, I wanted to say Kennedy, but uh, it's Mr. Anderson, and I like him in this setting. It's fun. I like Cole Caban in the setting. They defeated Sal Renaro and Jordan Kingsley in a little squash match. It was really cool. Then you got an incredible commercial for Tony Fox, Waffles, and Tire Irons. Tony Fox, if you remember Tony Fox, he was like a fixture in like, um, you know, in, in these like, I used to see him back when I would watch like classic wrestling on ESPN. And so honestly, I didn't know he had a personality. So this was just a lot of fun just to see this come out. Tony Fox, Waffles, and Tire Irons, and the Tire Irons are all painted gold. So that was neat. Um, Allison K defeated Ashley Vox in a non-title um, bout. Allison K, the women's champion. Uh, I love this too, by the way. Afterwards, they come right out right after their match. They go right over to the podium to do their interview. You got to have some stamina to full, to wrestle a full-on match and then come out and do an interview. And it was really neat. She put her opponent over. Everybody, it, there's this sense of like sportsmanship. Unless you're like really, really jerky or like you're really, really a bad guy, right? You're really, really a heel. And so it's kind of neat to see that happen where it's like, hey, we're not really enemies. We're not. And I think that's the thing is like we're not automatically enemies just because I've got an attitude problem or we're not automatically enemies just because we're in a match together. We can have a competitive match. But then you can also have personal issues. And so I, I like that contrast when it comes to NWA power. Um, so cool to see. Then the NWA national champion, James Storm, he cuts a promo saying that he deserves to hold the NWA world championship. And he's a grown man. And, and so anyway, Eli Drake interrupts him. And he says, he says that, um, you know, maybe that all this is ducking Storm and that Storm is the rifle number one contender. And they're kind of got like this thing going on because Eli Drake is like, but hey, I want that belt, you know. So anyway, we'll see what happens there. We get another ad for Austin Idol's school. We got that in episode one. That was a lot of fun to see. Eddie Kingston and Homicide, they challenged the wild cards for the tag team championships, but it ends in a known contest after the Dawsons attacked both teams. And then Nick Aldis gave an interview. This was the main event of NWA Power. The world's heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis, gave an interview and gets questioned about Camille, and then he gets offended at the questioning. And here's the thing that I love, okay? Number one, he throws some shade at Cody Rhodes and says that he lost his belt at All In, to an in, to an inferior athlete due to outside inter, interference. Hello, and that's why he got Camille in his corner. Camille refuses to speak. That was just awesome, right? And the interview awkwardly ends. But here's what I loved: I love that Nick Aldis challenged the interviewer, right, and said, "I have Camille here, but you tell me one time that she illegally interfered." And it couldn't be answered. I mean, what a heel, right? Like, he really is better than everybody. It's amazing. So anyway, NW Power, Nick Aldis reminds me of Ric Flair, reminds me of Nick Bockwinkle, like, like a, like a com combination of the two. A classy world's champion who, by the way, celebrated one year of his second reign as NWA world's heavyweight champion. So... I can't wait for episode three of NWA Power. I just cannot wait. The National Wrestling Alliance is back. I'm a fan. By the way, they, they announced um, 
their pay-per-view in December will be called Into the Fire. It's sold out. And it's it's sold out. And it's sold out before tickets sold out for the December tapings. So unbelievable. Into the Fire, NWA Power. You got it going on. I, mean, I can't wait for episode three. Here's some NXT results. Wednesday, October the 16th, Tommaso Ciampa defeated Angel Garza in the opening bout. Ciampa attacked Garza, which Gar- attacked the pants, which Garza had thrown at him moments before. And while Garza was distracted, Ciampa threw the pants in Garza's face, hit his draping DDT, now called the Widow's Bell, by the way. I love, love Ciampa and his return. The Widow's Bell to win the match. After the match, the Undisputed Era showed up trying to intimidate Tommaso Ciampa. Instead of attacking him, they handed him this. A mysterious USB drive. The USB drive contained footage of Undisputed Era beating up the Velveteen Dream backstage. It's a very high-tech way to kind of just throw out some intimidation, by the way. Here's the USB drive of my latest beating. Imperium. Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel defeated Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Eichner, Barthel, and Alexander Wolf all posed in the ring. They're Imperium. Man, Imperium. First off, I'm loving this crossover between NXT UK and NXT now that they're on USA and they got two hours to fill. And I'm loving that Imperium is getting some serious play on NXT now that they're on USA. What a great group. And uh, and it's great. And they work in threes, by the way. That's awesome. Like, you know, Walter's not there. He had a great main event the week before. And Imperium works as a as a as a three-man group too, while we wait for Walter to come back. Because he's got another show over in the UK he's got to be a part of too. So anyway, very cool. A video package played about Johnny Gargano's history in NXT. In a backstage interview, he said that he won't know how he felt about Ciampa's return until I see him. Face to face. That's what he said. I won't know how I feel until I see him face to face. He's always that tension between Gargano and Ciampa. I love it. I, just forever. Just I want that tension forever. Whether they are friends or enemies or anything like that. Just that, That's just, they are the best thing. They are just the best thing. Undisputed Era is also the best thing. So, you know, they're also, Velveteen Dream is also the best thing. By the way, did I tell you NXT? Best show. Okay. Io Shirai. Defeated Caden Carter, formerly known as Lacey Lane. Shirai won the brief match when she pinned Carter with a moonsault. Then Shirai hit a promo, cut a promo about how she, not Rhea Ripley or Bianca Blair, should be the next wrestler to face Shayna Baszler. Rhea Ripley interrupted her and said next week that she would put Bianca Blair in her place. But if Shirai mentioned her name again, Ripley would shut her up. Shirai left the ring while yelling at Ripley. In Japanese, I'm sensing triple threat, okay? Uh, number one contender, triple threat. That'd be a lot of fun. Or a fatal four-way, but either way, I don't I don't want a fatal four-way for the women's championship. I feel like I don't want Shayna Baszler to lose the championship that way. But anyway, some really talented women. I honestly think that the NXT women's roster is, it's if, if they're not number one, they're number Two with WWE combined. I don't know. No. I think Shayna Baszler can... Yeah, we got it. NXT, they've got it. Um, I'm doing a lot of self-reflection today, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. Just really kind of 
some internal thinking. I should have written this stuff down. Boa was shown warming up backstage, and he cut a promo in Chinese. Then you got William Regal, who said the Velveteen Dream won't be cleared in time for his NXT North American Championship match. Roderick Strong will now defend his North American Championship against the winner of tonight's Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic match. Now, Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, their match ended in a disqualification when Strong ran in and attacked the wrestlers with his belt. So Regal told him, oh, that was clever, but not clever enough because now he will have to defend the North American Championship next week against both Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee. Then the Undisputed Era, they protested Strong's new match to Regal during the commercial break, and NXT showed it after the commercial break. That was really cool. Matt Riddle, in the next match, defeated Bronson Reed. Riddle pinned Reed with the Bro Derek. Then a video package played in which Bianca Belair cut a promo on Rhea Ripley about their upcoming match. Tegan Knox defeated Tynara. Knox won, with her, won her return match with her Shining Wizard. And then Shayna Baszler, accompanied by Marina Schiffer, Shafir, <laughs> and Jessamine Duke, they interrupted Knox's post-match interview. The trio faced off with Knox and Dakota Kai, and Baszler pointed out that Knox is a long way from the NXT Women's Championship picture. Finn Balor cut a promo about how he found his heart, and that next week, my future will be my past. In the next match, Killian Dane defeated Boa, tapping him out with an abdominal stretch variation. And after the match, Dane had a standoff with Pete Dunne, who was entering for his main event match, which then Damian Priest defeated Pete Dunne. Priest hit Dunne with a low blow, and then the referee couldn't, he didn't see it. Then he hit the reckoning for the win. Wednesday night was definitely a big wrestling night because then you had AEW Dynamite going on at the same time as NXT. The AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament was going on when SCU defeated Best Friends. The Lucha Brothers attacked SCU before the match. They, were, they injured Christopher Daniels with a package pile driver on the ramp. Scorpio Sky, he stubbed in for Daniels at the very last second so they wouldn't have to forfeit the match and ended up winning the fall after a powerbomb dropkick combination. SCU moves on to face the Dark Order in the semifinals of the tournament. I thought this was cool, by the way. Scorpio Sky obviously not prepared to wrestle because it, I think it's just funny that, you know, sometimes wrestling shows, everybody shows up ready to wrestle like they already have their gear on at the start of the show and they're not even, like, scheduled for a match. I thought this was cool. Scorpio Sky was like, mm, I got some tape. <laughs> let me tape up my wrist, and uh, let's get going, you know? And so, uh, very cool. Uh, enjoying this tag team tournament because you're getting to know these wrestlers. You're getting to know these tag teams. The thing, my problem with AEW is the fact that I don't know everybody, right? And so, and AEW isn't giving me all these personality profiles on all the wrestlers. And so... I mean, I'm trying to get to know everybody, trying to see. And, of course, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to pull up YouTube. I'm going to find out who the best friends are. I'm going to find out about SCU. But there's only so much research you could really do. And if you're a casual fan who, like, you're, maybe you're just surfing through and you're going, ah, I used to watch WWE. I wonder if AEW is any good. Or I used to watch WCW. Maybe this is the same thing since this is on TNT. You know, you kind of want to know these guys a little bit. So the tag team tournament's been cool just to get to know some of these pairings. 
The next match was Santana and Ortiz, the former LAX. They defeated John Silver and Alex Reynolds in a quick match with a street sweeper. After the match, Chris Jericho appeared via video and challenged the Young Bucks on behalf of Ortiz and Santana for full gear. The AEW's Women's Championship match, Rio defeated Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Rio countered Baker's mandible claw submission into a pin to win the match and retain the championship. After the match, the two women shook hands. By the way, I love that the dentist uses the mandible claw as her finisher. I just think that's just, that's really cool. I think, is it called the lockjaw? I think it's called the lockjaw too. So anyway, the AEW Tag Team Championship tournament continued with Lucha Bros defeating the Jurassic Express. Now, all these injuries are going on both storyline and in real life. Marco Stunt subbed in for the injured Luchasaurus. Stunt lost to a package pile driver double stop combo. Luchasaurus injured his hip or his thighs. Is his thigh or his hip? Injured that area of his body in a non-athletic injury. So I don't know what I don't know what happened, but one way or the other, you know, he got an injury. I hope it doesn't put him out for long because Luchasaurus is uh, just visually just one of the most entertaining things about AEW. I wanted him to be there. I wanted him. To, I wanted to see the debut of Luchasaurus on AEW Dynamite. Well, we got Kenny Omega, by the way, and Hangman Page. They defeated Pac and Johnny Moxley. Now, is it Pac or Pac? It's Pac. They kept saying Pac. Pac and John Moxley. Moxley tried to get into a barbed wire fight with Omega again, but Pac took the weapons away, telling Moxley to think and not get them disqualified. Moxley got mad, hit Pac with a paradigm shift, and then walked out. Page and Omega followed up by hitting Pac with a lariat, a V-trigger, and a dead eye to win the match. Moxley just walked out on his opponent. Is he a face or is he a heel? I'm not, I don't understand yet. All four of these guys, I'm not quite sure who they are. So, and Kenny Omega is like, he's a, he's a major, major star. Like I, I really hope to see more out of him soon because, I mean, right now, um, some of the other folks here in AEW are really shining. They're doing a really good job. Now, in the main event of AEW Dynamite, Philadelphia street fight for the AEW World Championship, Chris Jericho, the champion, Le Champion, defeated Darby Allen. Jericho taped Allen's hands behind his back to keep him from fighting, but Allen continued doing drop kicks, high-flying moves, and even a springboard moonsault. Ultimately, Jake Hager showed up and punched out Allen, allowing Jericho to lock him in the lion tamer to win the match afterward. The inner circle celebrated in the ring with a little bit of bubbly. And that was AEW Dynamite, which brings us to Friday Night SmackDown, back for the WWE. The A show of the WWE right now, Friday Night SmackDown, the Intercontinental Championship match. You had Roman Reigns defeating Shinsuke Nakamura by disqualification. When King Corbin interfered, Daniel Bryan, he made the save for Reigns, but got his with the Kinshasa. So, man, we had an Intercontinental Championship to open up SmackDown and ended in a DQ. Shorty Gable, he defeated Curtis Axel by submission with an ankle lock, and after the match, Gable announced that he's shortening his name to Shorty G and a brand-new rap career. No, I don't know, but I just, Shorty G. I mean, way to, way to embrace it, buddy. I, huh. All right. Um, Hulk Hogan appeared via Skype, by the way. Hulk Hogan knows how to use Skype. That's the news. 
Hulk Hogan appeared via Skype and announced that he'd have a replacement for Seth Rollins as his team captain at Crown Jewel by the end of the night. I wonder, I wonder who it could be. The New Day and Heavy Machinery, they defeated the Revival, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Xavier Woods pinned Scott Dawson after the midnight hour to win the match. Xavier Woods, by the way, just got injured during the WWE's tour of Australia. It's an Achilles tendon injury, so who knows how long he'll be out. Wishing our best to Xavier Woods. Come back soon, sir. We need the New Day. We need the power of positivity. Bailey, Bad Bailey, was a guest on Ms. TV, and she talked about how she didn't know anybody, anything, and has outgrown the need for the fans to like her. Then, Nikki Cross promised to win the six-pack challenge and give Bailey a big hug. How sweet. The six-pack challenge was next, and Nikki Cross cashed in on her promise, defeated Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Lacey Evans, Carmella, and Dana Brooke. Cross pinned Rose after a, sp- uh, after a spinning neck breaker. Cross will now get a shot at Bailey and the SmackDown Women's Championship. Braun Strowman squashed Drew Gulak, who is back, by the way, doing his PowerPoint presentations. So that's that was a plus, by the way. Loved seeing that. Sorry to see him get squashed, but it's good to see him back. Hopefully, they develop. I mean, he's got man, he's got so much potential. Drew Gulak, he's so good. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan then defeated Shinsuke Nakamura and King Corbin. The King of Strong Style and the King of No Style. Reigns defeated. <laughs> Reigns was announced, by the way, as the new. I made myself laugh. Reigns was announced as the new captain of Team Hogan. Brian pinned Nakamura after a running knee. By the way, Daniel Bryan versus Nakamura, both into it, both at 100%. I'd love to see that match. That would be just so great to see. Sign us up. Maybe we can see it in December or January. Let's, let's, let's get that in there. All of this brings us right back to Monday Night Raw, Monday, October the 21st. We opened up the show with Drew McIntyre defeating Ricochet before the match. We had Ric Flair announcing McIntyre as the final member of his Crown Jewel team. McIntyre then defeated Ricochet with a Claymore, then continued to assault him after the match. Aleister Black defeated Jason Reynolds. A great squash match, by the way, just to show off who Black is. Black won the quick match with a Black Mass. Then we had a Rusev interview with Jerry Lawler. Rusev didn't see what he was didn't like what he was seeing between Lana and Bobby Lashley. And then he said, I'm gonna go interrupt what's going on over there and then uh, Rusev showed up at the restaurant where Bobby Lashley and Lana were I would honestly just say Lana good riddance she probably has an expensive lifestyle anyway so who knows just let Lashley take care of it with his MMA money who knows Um, Andrade defeated Sin Cara with a hammerlock DDT after some interference from Zelina Vega then Humberto Carrillo Watched the match from backstage, had some comments to make while being interviewed about Seth Rollins and the, as the champion. That's going to come back in a little bit for him. Our truth was hoodwinked by the Bollywood boys backstage and lost the 24-7 championship. One of the Bollywood boys walked away as the champ. Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders, defeated Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, who are still here, by the way. Ivar pinned Hawkins after the Viking experience. 
Then you had Rey Mysterio cut a promo thanking fans for their support, saying Cain Velasquez will give Brock Lesnar another scar at Crown Jewel. And then he was interrupted by Paul Heyman on the Titantron, who said that he wouldn't say those things if Lesnar was live in the building. Ray was then interrupted by Shelton Benjamin, saying that he wanted title opportunities and that Brock Lesnar is his buddy. So Benjamin pushed Mysterio around until Cain Velasquez made the save. Velasquez then threw Benjamin around and choked him out with a rear naked choke. Now, I said last week I was liking the combo of Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez. I, if, if they, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this encounter, but if they do keep this up, let's just say Ray needs like a slower schedule or he really does need to recover from his injuries, right, and all that, I think it's a great pairing, Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez. We just, I just need Cain to look a little bit more intimidating. That's, that, but that's just me. I mean, what do I know? Seth Rollins said that The Fiend had changed him and then called out Humberto Carrillo and challenged him to a match. Well, then Seth Rollins defeated Humberto Carrillo. Rollins won a competitive match, by the way, with the stop. Carrillo shined in this match. He offered a handshake to Carrillo, and I, I like this guy. I wasn't. I, I don't watch a lot of 205 Live, and so I've seen like you know a little bit of stuff here and there. I like Humberto Carrillo. I this is this worked for me. This whole thing worked for me. So um, hope to see some some more good stuff from him in the future. Our truth, by the way, tried to win back his 24-7-48-72 European Championship, but he pinned the wrong Sing brother. He pinned the wrong Bollywood boy, if you could believe that. That's our truth. See, Carmelo wasn't there to help him out. The Street Profits then defeated the OC in their Raw debut. There's a little bit of confusion. I thought at the start of the show it was supposed to be a six-man match and that they had a mystery partner. But at the end of the show, it didn't turn out to be that way. At the end of the show, it turned out that it was basically just a mystery corner man. But first off, I just let me just tell you something. Uh, I love the Street Profits; they're awesome. They're I don't know if it if their if their gimmick a hundred percent translates into a big arena versus the full sale arena. But I the, their whole thing coming in through the crowd, holding up the solo cup. All of that still worked. I don't know that it translates 100%, but, man, they're good. And Montez Ford has just got it. He's just got it. And, uh, man, it was just so good. AJ Styles repeat, report, repeatedly interfered in the match, by the way, and he was caught and thrown out by the referee. When he refused to leave, Kevin Owens showed up and hit him with a stunner, and then this allowed the Profits to win their Raw debut with a frog splash on Carl Anderson, that wrapped up this week in wrestling. <laughs> and now let's check out this week in wrestling history. October the 13th, 1992. We're going back to Saskatchewan, ladies and gentlemen, where Money Inc., the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, and IRS, Irwin R. Scheister, defeated the natural disasters, Typhoon, and Earthquake to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. This was at a time where Million Dollar Man was slowing down a little bit, dealing with some injuries. And then we had Erwin R. Scheister, whose gimmick was kind of, you know, waning. I mean, kind of maybe hit its peak. But when you take these two and you brought them together, put the gimmick aside. Think about this for a moment. You had Ted DiBiase and Mike Rotunda together on the tag team, and they were great. I mean, Mike Rotunda 
given the IRS gimmick, if you if you look past the suspenders and tie, you got to remember that you still have Mike Rotunda there, and he was a great, great wrestler. I mean, just one of the best. And seeing the two of them in the ring as a tag team, watch that match. Try and look through the gimmick and really see them work with somebody who who really works. Just amazing to see. They won the world, the WWF World Tag Team Champions Championships in 1992 on October the 13th. Jumping on over to October the 19th, 2003, the WWE had their No Mercy pay-per-view. Here are some of the highlights of that. WWE Cruiserweight Champion Tajiri pinned Rey Mysterio Jr. We had Vince McMahon with Sable in his corner, defeating Stephanie McMahon with Linda McMahon in her corner in an I quit match. Those McMahons could never get along. Anyway, you had Big Show defeating Eddie Guerrero to win the United States Championship, Kurt Angle defeating John Cena, and in the main event, Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker to retain the WWE World Championship in a biker chain on a pole match. October the 20th in 1991 in Norfolk, Virginia. This this card for World Championship Wrestling really sums up one of my favorite eras in World Championship Wrestling, the 1991 era. I love 1991 wrestling. There was so much going on. There was so much to see. But in WCW, it it was so it was so fun to watch, and the characters were so colorful, and the the situations were so bad. It was good. So let's just run down this card real quick. The WCW United States Tag Team Champions were a couple of first responders. You had actually uh, a a uh, a war veteran and a first responder. So you had Todd Champion who was in the military. He was representing the military, so you had to kind of imagine like this. He had like a special forces beret on. He had his camo, and he was he was Todd Champion. And then you had a fireman with him, and his name was Firebreaker Chip. And they were the United States Tag Team Champions, and in this card they defeated the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Richard Morton. Now, yes, Ricky Morton. But when Ricky Morton turns bad, he puts on a business suit and still has a mullet. And so he becomes Richard Morton. He joined the York Foundation and was a bad guy. And he pinned Tracy Smothers of the, uh, at the time, of the Wild Eyed Southern Boys or the Young Pistols. Same tag team, two different names. One of them was missing the flag. So, and so they, uh, they took that down. They made them the Young Pistols. It may have been that point. Big Josh, which was Matt Bourne as a lumberjack, pinned Johnny B. Bad, which is Mark Marrow as Mark Marrow. Then you got Van Hammer, who was a heavy metal rock and roll wrestler. He defeated Cactus Jack via disqualification. Do you remember that feud? Cactus Jack versus Van Hammer? They had a false count anywhere match. They had a hardcore match. I mean, the hardcore before was all hardcore. You had PN News. So let me just kind of put this together for you. PN News, which was a very large, kind of heavy D-looking rapping wrestler. who His name was PN News, which then sometimes they would shorten 
and call him PNN, which was on the wrestling show owned by Turner, who also owned CNN. Now you get the picture. PN News, he pinned Axel Rotten. I love 1991 WCW. Love it. Love it. El Gigante, which was a Spanish giant wrestler who I met one time when I was a kid at the James L. Knight Center in Miami, Florida. And uh, I met him. He was sitting down. I was a freshman in high school. He was taller than me sitting down, and I was a short kid to begin with. I asked him for a picture where I would put my hand on his hand, and he said, not allowed. So I was not allowed to do that for some reason. El Gigante and his tag team partner, Rick Steiner, defeated the WCW Tag Team Champions, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, and the Cruncher, Larry Zbysko, in a non-title match. You got that right. The Cruncher, Larry Zbysko. Then you had the WCW Television Champion, Stunning Steve Austin. He fought Dustin Rhodes, the natural, to a draw. The WCW United States Champion at the time, Sting, and Barry Windham defeated the WCW World Heavyweight Champion at the time, managed by Harley Race, Lex Luger, and his special enforcer, Mr. Hughes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what makes this the WCW main event show. You ready? Special guest referee, the Z-Man, Tom Zink. Tom Zink was a pretty boy wrestler in the WWF who was in a tag team with Rick Martel. Tom Zink, an American, Martel, French-Canadian. They were the Can-Am connection. And when Zink left to go to WCW, he became the Z-Man. And he was so cool. 1991 WCW Wrestling. Please go back and look at this stuff on the network. This is so worth it. So, so worth it. I love 1991 wrestling, guys. I love it like crazy. See, in, in 1991, our viewing options were just as plentiful as they are right now. So here's the thing. Fall 2019, we've got Monday Night Raw on Monday. We've got Impact on Tuesday along with NWA Power, AEW Dark, WWE Backstage on Wednesday. You got NXT, you got AEW, you got WWE The Bump. Thursday, NXT UK, Uncharted Territory. Friday, 205 Live, SmackDown. Saturday, NJPW. Wow Wrestling, MLW. You've got pay-per-views. you got your choice of Ring of Honor, AAA, Evolve, Progress, PWG, ICW, CMLL. All the acronyms. You got so many, so many viewing options in 2019. But ladies and gentlemen, let me take you back to 1991, the fall of 1991. And picture this kid who was obsessed with wrestling. He's a freshman in high school. And he has his set of wrestling buddies, his friends that like wrestling, that catch it. I had an NWA friend. That was the only thing that he liked. NWA, WCW, that was only his thing. I had friends that, that liked, you know, WWF. I had relatives. I had, you know, I had uh, cousins and friends that all loved WWF. I was, I was at a time where um, my, my brother, who had introduced me to wrestling and all my cousins and, and all that, I was at a time where 
they were not around because, you know, my brother was gone to college and, you know, all of this stuff. And so for me, here I am and I'm just like I'm in this now. I've, I feel like when 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 my brother left for college, I feel like I had like this, like, here are the keys to creativity. Right. And so it was one of those things where I had to, like, enjoy wrestling like on my own or wherever I got it in any way that I could. And so what was cool about it was I literally would kind of flip through the weekly TV guides thing that you would get in the newspaper, not the actual TV guide, like the little, the little guide that came for free in the newspaper. I would flip through that and I would open up and just start circling wherever wrestling was anywhere that you could see it. So this was my week fall 1991 Let's take you back. On Monday, there was WWF primetime wrestling. Now, there was a time where Monday nights were not the night for wrestling. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. On Monday nights, you got the show called Primetime Wrestling. Primetime Wrestling was hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Later on, we also had Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I think in 91, we probably had Piper in there by now. And their show was made up of clips and matches that you didn't see anywhere else. You would see these were recorded matches at house shows. These were matches that were filmed in like like dark matches. This is like this was, you know what? Primetime wrestling was AEW dark before it was cool. That's what that was. And so we got. We, we got all these kind of like matches that were really great matches, all filmed at house shows and dark matches and all that kind of stuff. And then there would be clips like, hey, did you see what happened on Brother Love? Did you see what happened on Superstars? Here's the update. Here's the WrestleMania update. Here's the Royal Rumble report. You'd get all that kind of stuff. But on the main event of primetime wrestling was literally all the shenanigans that Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon would get into together. So that's what that was. Then... The rest of the week was a ghost town, right, of wrestling when it came to WWF or WCW. Now, WCW would from time to time hold a show called Clash of the Champions. Clash of the Champions maybe at this time happened monthly. And yeah, in the fall of 91, it actually happened monthly because there was a September one. There was a November and a December Clash of the Champions in 1991. Why skip October? Because October was Halloween Havoc. Thank you very much. Okay. So Clash of the Champions was basically like an NXT takeover or um, like a special network event. Okay. Pay-per-view quality matches, but not pay-per-view quality finishes. Okay. These usually led to other bigger matches. And you'd get these from time to time. A lot of times they would come on a Tuesday. A lot of times they would come on a Thursday. Okay. But it was only, it was every once in a while. You didn't get that throughout the week. What sustained me throughout the week was what I could find on ESPN, on Sunshine Sports Network, and whatever kind of um, local syndicated programming you could find throughout the week. So one of the things that sustained me in the fall of 1991 was a group called Florida, nope, sorry, was a group called Global Wrestling Federation. Global Wrestling Federation. I mean, this was a this was a new promotion. 
that literally started from the ground up. It was it was a mix of Texas and Memphis wrestling. Because in in this in this show, see like AWA had folded in 1990. And so when it folded in 1990, like they you know, they stopped operations. Then you had you had a void in ESPN because ESPN would show AWA wrestling. Now, when that happened, you also had now this mix of folks from world-class championship wrestling and folks from USWA or Memphis wrestling. And so some of those wrestlers came together. There was a guy in Texas named Joe Pettisino. Joe Pettisino and Bonnie Blackstone, they were a couple who put this company together. They were like fixtures in Texas wrestling, Houston wrestling, like all that kind of stuff. When Brother Love, when Bruce Pritchard left WWE the first time, he came here to Global Wrestling Federation to help them with their show, with their programming. And what you got were characters like the main hero of GWF. You got the Patriot, okay? You got the Patriot. I mean, he had the red, white, and blue mask, the red, white, and blue tights. He won the North American Championship in the tournament. You had his nemesis, which was the Dark Patriot, which was literally, see, like the Patriot, his finishing move was a shoulder block off the top rope called the the Patriot Missile. The Dark Patriot wore all black, had a black mask and a red star on the front of it, and his main move was called the Scud Missile. Come on! 1991, Desert Storm, you had the war in Iraq. This, this was current. And so you had the Patriot, you had the Dark Patriot. You had Scotty Flamingo, who later became Johnny Polo, who later became Raven. What about me? What about Raven, right? You had the Lightning Kid, who later became the 123 Kid, who later became X-Pac and Six. He came out of this. You had the Handsome Stranger, who eventually became Marcus Alexander Bagwell, who eventually became Buff Bagwell. And then probably, I mean, and there's tons of stars in this show, but probably the biggest star to come out of this show was a tag team called the Ebony Experience. The Ebony, the Ebony Experience became Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray. Booker T would eventually go on to be a five-time, 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 five-time world champion in that uh, six two <laughs> would be a double Hall of Famer. I mean, what we what this show? Please go back and look up Global Champion Global Wrestling Federation. This was as a kid. This was just a dream show. And I'm going to tell you why this was a dream show. Picture this episodic wrestling television, five days a week, five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day after school, I'd have to go home and watch not he man, not GI Joe, not transformers, not any of that stuff. I put all that on the VCR. What I had to watch live was global wrestling. I had to check it out. 
I had to watch their 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 North American Championship tournament, their light heavyweight tournament. That was the first time I had ever seen light heavyweights. By the way, was that GWF? It was groundbreaking stuff. And the more I talk about it, the more excited I get. And uh, we're gonna have to finish this up because I have to go and see some more GWF. Over on Saturday, by the way, Saturday and Sunday were marathon days for WWF and WCW wrestling. Because on Saturday, I would start my morning with WWF Superstars, which was the main WWF show. And all it did was it featured squash matches, means it featured main wrestlers versus uh, jobber wrestlers. And the main wrestlers would always win, and they would all, unless you were Barry Horowitz, because then you won because you defeated Skip from the Body Thomas that one time. But anyway, on WWF Superstars, you got to see the superstars. You got to see them and know who they were and know what their finishing move was. And then throughout the rest of the day, you also got WCW Pro. WCW Pro, which was a highlight show for WCW Wrestling. Then, later on that night, you actually got WCW World Championship Wrestling. Now, it wasn't WCW Saturday Night until 1992. In 1991, it was still WCW World Championship Wrestling because they used to be NWA World Championship Wrestling. Anyway, then you would get WWF Wrestling Spotlight. That was a syndicated show for me. It was on a Saturday. WWF Wrestling Spotlight was a show that started off as a clip show and then it became a spotlight show focusing on one or two wrestlers and it would show one or two of their, like it would show a handful of that wrestler's matches and vignettes. Very cool. And then on an occasional Saturday, you would get Saturday night's main event. Saturday night's main event came on NBC. One time it came on Fox, I think, right? Not, not 91. But it came on, on NBC and it was an alternative to Saturday Night Live um, once a month or once every like six weeks or something like that. And then you would get these pay-per-view quality matches with, with not pay-per-view quality finishes. That's for sure. On Sunday, you got the NWA Power Hour. You got WCW Worldwide. Both of those were clip shows of WCW matches you didn't see anywhere else. WWF Wrestling Challenge, which was a lot like Superstars. It was all... Um, squash matches between stars and jobbers. The hosts, by the way, of WWF super, uh, superstars, that ho those were hosted by Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. The hosts on WWF Challenge were Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Then on USA Network, you had WWF All American Wrestling and then WCW Main Event. Ten shows over the weekend. 10 wrestling shows just in the span of two days, guys. And that's not to mention USWA Memphis Wrestling, um, UWF Wrestling also had a show that was um, uh, Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts's. Yeah, you're talking like your um, Dr. Death Steve Williams was the champ of UWF and like that kind of stuff. You had classic matches from World Champion, World Class Championship Wrestling on ESPN. Then you also had the tapes. Tape traders. Was anybody a tape trader? I used to have a friend who was my Japan friend. My Japan friend would always be getting tapes from wrestling matches from Japan. That's the first time I ever saw Big Van Vader was on those VHS tapes as a tape trader. Anyway, 1991, chock full of wrestling. 
just like 2019. So you kids, get off my lawn. That is this week in wrestling history. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Wrestling with Hope Word of the Week. The Word of the Week this week is this, consistency. Consistency. You know, a couple of weeks ago, in my interview with Drake Wirtz, NXT senior referee, one of the things that he talked about as a secret to his growth spiritually was consistency. Was spending 15 minutes a day opening up the Bible, reading the Word, and doing what it says. See, it takes me back to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 25. It says this, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's really simple. Just open up God's word, do what it says, love others. Love God, love others. That's what it's going to say repeatedly. When you open up those basic instructions, and you do what it says, and you listen to it, and you don't forget that the only reason you're not going to forget is because you're doing it consistently. So i got a couple of tips for you when it comes to doing it consistently. How to create a habit. How to create a habit of reading the Bible. Number one, create a consistent time and place. Say I'm going to do it. Hey, this is going to be the first 15 minutes of my day. I'm going to open up you know, my Bible app and I'm going to read. First 15 minutes. Create a consistent time and place. I'm going to do that at the table before I have my coffee or while I'm having my coffee. That's what I do. Make it enjoyable. I mean, I mean, do, do something that you enjoy. Don't make it something that you dread. Read a version of the Bible that you'll actually read. You don't have to have all the these and thous in it. Somebody always tells me, hey, which is the best Bible that I should, that I should have? And I said, man, it's the one that you're going to read. Make it enjoyable. Make it something. Set it out, do, you know, don't make it something that you dread. If you're, reading, if you're you know, reading a devotional you don't like, if you're reading a book you don't like, or if you're not a morning person, don't do it at a time that you're going to dread. And then number three is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be persistent. If you miss a day, it's okay. It's just a day. Don't be hard on yourself. Just pick up right where you left off and keep going. Listen, that's the key to anything. Be persistent. Don't just give up. Pick up where you left off and go from there. That is today's Word of the Week. Consistency. I hope you enjoyed today's Wrestle With Hope. Please connect with us, wrestlewithhope at gmail.com, on Instagram at wrestlewithhope, and on Twitter, wrestlewithhope. You can also find us on Facebook at the Wrestle With Hope Podcast. Supportability Tree Florida, if you've enjoyed this show, donorbox.org slash wrestlewithhope. We appreciate your support. A big thank you to Josiah Williams for his song, Number One Contender, is our theme song. Follow him at Williams and at Wrestle and Flow. And thank you to Greg Goslin, the artist of our logo for Wrestle With Hope. You can follow Greg Goslin on Instagram and see more of his incredible art. Once again, thank you for listening to Wrestle With Hope. This is Wayne Cordova signing off. And remember, if God is for you, who can dare stand against you? Until next week, then, this would be Gordon Soley saying so long from the Sunshine State.